Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life. We appreciate you being here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube.com, Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT. You'll also find us on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com on internet streaming radio all around the world. So however you're connected with the show, we appreciate you being here where sports meets life. And we have a fantastic broadcast set up for you here today inside of these Cafe Kubal studios. So inside of monpawspopcorn.com's What's Poppin' giving us a list of topics for the day. We're going to start the show off with Matt Langle, the head coach of the Colgate Raiders men's basketball team. And we're going to be building out more than we ever have when we talk about Colgate and really speaking with Matt on his journey, this extensive journey to get to where the team is today, to be a consistent power in the Patriot League and a reoccurring face in the NCAA tournament. And then in hour number two, we'll continue our tourney talk with Ross Turetsky, fellow broadcaster and writer, one of my closest friends in the drive as we go from the Sweet 16 to the Final Four and speak on the fact that our brackets are both in really good shape and now they're total red. And then we'll get into the ingredients to success, proudly presented by the wonderful family at Avicoli's on 7839 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. So with all that being said, let's bring in the man, hour number one here, Mr. Matt Langle of the Colgate Raiders men's basketball team. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And and you and I were talking off the air about this. And, and you know, in order to speak about this journey with Colgate and whatnot, really dive into it, I want to handle this right off the bat because I know that, you know, your name is, has come up a lot. And, you know, Syracuse fans were talking about you and, and Temple and, and so on and so forth. How do you handle that? I know we've talked about it, you know, off the air, but on the air, how do you handle when your name comes up and, and, you know, coaching searches are happening and whatnot. And, and you start hearing a lot about Matt Langle and how he would fit here and he'd be good there. How do you, how do you kind of view all of that when you, when you wake up in the morning and maybe you got a couple text messages because of stuff on social media and whatnot? Um, yeah, I, I think there's two things. One, it's flattering. Um, you know, anytime the uh, media and and folks and, and it's an interesting time that we're in with everybody having a platform on social media and, uh, and having, you know, their sentiments being able to, you know, be comment. They can make comments or, you know, you know, have conversation on all these platforms. Um, you know, it's flattering because it means that there are folks out there who have recognized or are recognizing all that Colgate basketball has accomplished, um, all that our players have accomplished, the consistency, uh, how it's been built. Um, so, you know, that part of it is flattering. The, the rest of it, though, to be honest with you, Dan, I, I just try and practice what I preach. I mean, yeah. we've been a process-oriented group. Uh, I talk to our guys, our, our coaches talk to our players all the time about, you know, in the world of distractions that can be going on, focus on what you can control. And, and so for me, that's been – just being fully invested in, in the present, um, in the circumstances that we're in and what Colgate is trying to do, um, you know, on our campus with our program uh, in recruiting. Uh, and, and the rest of those things will take care of itself. Obviously, it's a profession. It's a livelihood. Um, you know, coaches have representation and, 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 and those, those individuals, I think, oftentimes can be the one who are, are, are worrying about, you know, what's out there and what's going on. But again, I'm, I'm super, super grateful for what we have here 
for the support uh, from the administration, from the community, uh, for the partnership and what we've been able to build. And, and that's where my focus is. So why is Hamilton home now? Why does it fit? Why does it make sense? You and I have spoken about this program many times, but what is it about this community, this school that just fits you? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things. Uh, you know, part of the reason I got into coaching uh, was because I identified the significance um, and the impact that my coaches uh, and that those years of my life uh, had on helping me become who I am. And so, you know, I, I, I love the game. I love the X and O's. I love the preparation. I love the competition. Um, but this is, is really on a, on a you know, 30,000 foot scale level for me about, you know, having the opportunity to be a part of a group and part of a team uh, of young people who are, you know, putting their individual egos aside, hopefully. And, um, you know, not that they're striving for individual, you know, goals and accomplishment and aspiration um, mm -hmm. to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so, you know, that that's what we have here. Uh, and so that's first and foremost. Uh, the second part of it is I have a family. I have three uh, wonderful children, 15, 13 and, and nine. And, you know, um, my priority is always taking care of them. And this is an incredible environment to raise a family. I mean, everywhere you turn, you've got great role models, student athletes, students. Um, you know, this is a close knit community, the village of Hamilton. Um, you know, people are out, rally around the school, the, the, the school sports, Colgate, Colgate sports. Um, so for my wife and I, we, we enjoy being a part of this community, uh, the opportunities provi it provides, the connections we've made. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff here um, that, keep, that, that helps make us happy. You know, and in, in when you look at the tournament, and we're going to go back on this journey with you from, from start to now. But before we go there, I kind of want to Tarantino the thing and, and start from where we are in the moment. You get seeded this year, a 15 seed. You pull Texas, a two seed, and you get sent out to Des Moines, Iowa. How do you view how the NCAA selection committee has viewed not just Colgate, but the Patriot League and, and other leagues around the country where it, it doesn't seem and this is my opinion and, and and obviously you know your opinion may be totally different but why Colgate can't be a 12 seed or a 10 seed or or a 13 seed or not get sent out to the Midwest in the middle of nowhere I I feel that there is a level of disrespect for many conferences and when you break down the numbers of it if you take the quote-unquote power five conferences plus the big east and just at-large bids alone, you can say that there's years where they account for 26 of the 36 at-large bids, and then there's 26 conferences fighting for 10 spots. So, you know, there's that side of it, and then there's the seeding side of it, and this year has shown that anybody can win. So I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, being a 15 seed, pulling a Texas, getting sent out to the Midwest, because I just, I don't find it to be fair in a lot of cases for not just the Patriot League, but many conferences. Yeah, I, I do think, Dan, that I, I have a little bit different of a opinion than you. I, I think that there's a lot that goes into that from the, the selection committee. These are 
uh, individuals who take great pride in, in being able to serve on the committee and put great time and thought and effort uh, in away from their other responsibilities. Like that's not a full-time position. Right. And yeah. so, um, I think that, you know, th there, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, sometimes it's the metrics of everything, you know, we lost to Vermont in a close game. Uh, you know, we had some other, other losses in non-conference. We, we had our chance, you know, like look, Florida Atlantic got a pretty good seed. Um, from, you yeah. know, a, a mid, a high mid-major conference uh, as a eight, nine, and they, they've taken advantage of it, but they also, they also won almost all of their games. Um, and again, back to the concept of focusing on what you can control um, is, is what, what we try and do. So uh, then when you look at the location, yeah, we've, you know, in all four of the NC tournaments, we've been in the Midwest. I, I don't, they, you know, sometimes it's matchups, sometimes it's locations. I know Princeton, the Ivy League is a really highly rated conference this season. Yeah. Uh, they were the champions of the Ivy League. They got shipped to the West Coast, you know, to had to fly all the way to Sacramento as a 15 seed. And, you know, they were able to win two games and move on and play the next weekend. So, you know, I, I don't you know, there's it's a great honor to be in the NCAA tournament when you come from a smaller conference. And, you know, the reality is we had great success in the Patriot League, but the Patriot League didn't have, you know, as great a success in the non-conference as we have in other seasons. So that there's a lot of things that, you know, go into 15, 14, you know, 13, I, I think back to when I was a player and I, we may have even gotten as high as an 11 seed, but, you know, we played in Philadelphia and had a chance to play some of the big five teams. And I think on, on that year, we beat, we beat it. We beat Temple who was maybe a top 25 team. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, a small margin one way or the other bumps you up or bumps you down. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it's more about the matchup and the situation and, you know, we played a great Texas team that, you know, I believe would still be playing if, if one of their really good players, um, you know, hadn't hadn't fallen to to an injury. They, you know, I think they'd have a, a great they shoot. They had a great chance to get to the final four, even with him being out. So, you know, there it's a fragile margin and it's razor thin. And so we we don't really you know, there's no there's no spilled milk or or, or crying over. Uh, sour grapes over, you know, getting in the NCAA tournament. You know, if you keep doing it and keep at, keep playing your best, then you know at some point maybe you'll be able to break through with a win. Yeah, and and your team has had these incredible efforts against these incredible programs, and and there's there's a history to more than the win loss column. And like you said, breakthrough and get a win. You've been consistent in getting to the NCAA tournament. What positives do you build off of in these games that you have played where you have caused a scare for a lot of teams that thought maybe they had an easy road out of this round and they're going to move forward and whatnot? Colgate has been no slouch in many different scenarios, so I know they haven't turned into victories, and I know coaches say there are no moral victories in a lot of cases, but there has to be positives that you take from in what your program has done in the tournament so far. Um, no doubt about it. I think, you know, this, this season, you know, we ended up losing by 20, I think to Texas, it was how, when I think one of their players said, you know, even though it was a 20 point margin, you know, it certainly felt like eight or nine, um, which is where it was for large portions of the game. Yeah. Um, they played great. They shot great. And so, you know, I've gotten tons of messaging saying, you know, even though the, 
the final result was significant. In some ways, it seemed like you were right there, you know, against just as good of a team as you played in any of the other games. So, yeah, you just, it's, you were a residue of our experiences. So for the guys who return, you know, and the guys who leave, you know, the Tucker Richardson, Oliver Lynch Daniels, did it, did they, did they get to achieve everything that they wanted? No, but they all, they had some pretty awesome careers uh, and got some great experiences to include the heartache of coming up short yet again. Um, and so for the guys that returning, it's part of, of, of that experience of knowing that moment and that competition and, you know, you know, what it takes and, and, and how hard it is for a guy like Braden Smith, who it's his first NCAA tournament to know how exhausting, you know, that game competing at that level was and, yeah. you know, how hard you have to work on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, there's a ton of things. Um, and our name is out there yet again, you know, as another thing as you're building a program and, um, you know, individuals like you are recognizing the sustained success and the consistency. And so that can only help in recruiting and, everything else that you're doing as you're as you're continuing to build a program. Here with Matt Langle, the Colgate Raiders men's basketball head coach on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You come into the tournament the best three-point shooting team in the nation at 40.7%. Did you expect Texas to be like 90% when they, when they came in? And it was a really interesting game where I think my quote was, Texas was playing Colgate ball in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're playing a team like Texas, you're, you know, you're disadvantaged in some ways, meaning they're, they have size and length and athleticism um, at just about every position that is, you know, would be thought of as better than ours. Uh, so you're not going to be able to take away everything that they do. Uh, and so going in, you know, there were some situations where, um, you know, we were going to go under some ball screens and maybe maybe be late to a contested three point shot because we we didn't want them to get, you know, downhill and attack the paint uh, and score some shots that they've scored at a really high percentage. You know, their three point shooting, although, you know, we recognized going in that they have guys who could make them. That wasn't necessarily their their first option. So, um, you know, if you had told me that, you know, you're going to give up 23 three-point shots and they're going to make 13 of them going into the game, I, I would have said, yeah, that's going to be really hard for us to to yeah. overcome. Um, they hadn't done that a lot. They don't do it. They hadn't done – they didn't do it since. Um, and so, you know, that was – that was, you got to tip your cap. They really took advantage of what we were giving them and 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 played great. Vice versa, they, they really worked hard to take away our threes. And so – um, you know, we didn't get a lot of clean looks. We didn't get that many of them. And again, um, you know, we probably didn't make enough of them, but I, I, I think that that was, they really executed their game plan. Um, and, and I thought we did in, in a lot of ways too execute our game plan. They just, they just made us bad. Rodney Terry on the other side of it, before we go back in the history of Colgate here, just your thoughts on what he did. Did you get any time with him? I've gotten to speak with you and I've gotten to speak with him over the last couple of weeks a strong man of faith seems like his his players love playing for him and we just found out that he indeed is going to be the long-term coach of Texas so what was the interaction like no just very respectful um you know just before the game and and briefly after the game i think and, and his team played that way i mean they were locked in i i was so impressed not just how they how they executed and and the um and how they produced, but they didn't take one possession off on both ends. They were, they were working like crazy, um, you know, as if it were, 
you know, a championship caliber game, which I think that's how they were prepared. Uh, it was, they had coming off a great big 12 tournament and, you know, they, they, they were ready to go. And I think that's usually a testament to the coach, to the preparation. Um, they were very much locked in um, and, and focused on the opportunity. So um, with all that they faced this year, the, the leadership that he provided, uh, you know, the togetherness that that group played with was, was, was really impressive. You mentioned, you know, what I loved how you said it, you know, that were the residue of our experiences. And you spoke about, you know, despite the loss, how you you have these experiences, you have this residue that's on you as you move forward with the players that will be coming back. But you also spoke about Tucker Richardson and Oliver Lynch Daniels. To say that they've meant an incredible amount to this program is is a drastic understatement, but I'd love for you to go a little bit further about Oliver and Tucker and and their residue that they're going to leave on the program. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Oliver, I'll, I'll speak to Oliver first. He, he came, he went, you know, he, he, he's a young man from, um, from North Carolina, grew up in the Chapel Hill area, a uh, basketball hotbed, obviously, Tobacco Road. Uh, he chose to go to Oak Hill Academy, um, you know, at the time, the preeminent um, you know, boarding school for basketball in the country, likes of Carmelo Anthony, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the reason he did that was because basketball was a passion and he wanted to be around the very best that there were. So he didn't play on the top team. He aspired to be a Division One player, super student, really smart guy, kid, has always done well in school. Uh, went to Houston Baptist. I, I don't want to speak for him, but I think it was his only Division One opportunity. He came to our prospect camp, um, you know, we just we because of some other guys we had in the program, it, it just wasn't going to work out. And after two years at Houston Baptist, he decided that that wasn't for him. And, um, you know, he took a leap of faith in, in coming to Colgate. There were no guarantees. We had, you know, what's proven to be a pretty good team, Jack Ferguson, Jordan Burns, um, you know, Nellie Cummings and some guys that ended up doing really, really well uh, in our program. Uh, there was no guarantees that he was ever even going to see the floor. And all he did was work. Every single day, every single night, just constantly. I mean, I, I think he was in the low 30s three-point shooter uh, in, from his years at Houston Baptist. And he finished the last two seasons, I think, around 50% as the top you know, shooter in, in, in all of college basketball. And so, um, you know, the, 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 what he leaves behind, I think, for me is just, you know, what can happen if you put in the work, um, yeah. you know, which is you're putting in the work by yourself, but it's really – um, the impact it has on the team and for the team. Uh, and so like, he's a, an, an unbelievable man in that space. Uh, Tucker Richardson, I mean, he, he, the best way I can say it, Dan is, um, you know, in addition to everything he's accomplished for NCAA tournaments, rookie of the year, preseason player of the year, defensive player of the year, uh, after the season, defensive player of the year, player of the year, scholar athlete of the year. Um, it all pales in comparison, you know, 1800 points. So I think it's like something ridiculous, like 800 rebounds and, you know, seven or maybe 700 rebounds, 600 to sit like just off the chart statistics. It pales in comparison to, um, how he carries himself every day to the type of leader he is, to the type of person he is, to the type of teammate he is. So, you know, the best thing yeah. I can say about him is anybody that ever coaches, you're, you're volunteering your time, you're a professional, like everybody deserves to coach a guy like him um, because it, it validates what coaching can be um, and, and the joy of being a part of, of a young person's life and their journey. 
That coming, and I appreciate those words. That coming from Matt Langle, Colgate Raiders men's basketball head coach. I said we would do the Tarantino way about things. So you came into this program 2011-12 for the Colgate Raiders. So we're looking at a decade plus of experiences here. I want to go back to that 2011-12-2011 time and the process for you. The process of where am I going to coach? What's going to be my next step? Why did you choose Colgate then? What was it that enticed you that made you believe that you could build something in Hamilton? So two separate answers to that question. So I was 34 years old. I'd been an assistant coach um, at championship programs, uh, two years at Penn, uh, five years at Temple with my and one of my big mentors, uh, Fran Dunphy. And, um, you know, in those seven years, I think we won six championships, uh, six times in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I, I started to think about head coaching opportunities. Well, obviously with my background, as a student athlete at an Ivy League school, um, you know, there are certain inst- types of institutions of, of higher learning that, that resonate with me. My brother was a Colgate grad. Um, so, you know, I knew the, knew the school a little bit. Um, and it's, it's really, really hard. There's only, you know, a finite number of these schools uh, in the country uh, that, you know, are Division One and have, have head men's basketball coaches. And so, you know, obviously, my my background was in the Northeast, uh, specific to, to academics, and so there's even less of those. Uh, and so, you know, through the interviewing process, I identified that the Patriot League was one that I thought was pretty balanced in in competition, and um, that you know a bunch of different schools had an opportunity to win. Uh, not tons of history and tradition here at Colgate. Obviously, the Adonis Four years went. Uh, exceptionally well, but I just thought that, you know, by doing things the right way with what I had learned that, you know, we could build something and, you know, it wasn't going to be overnight and, and it wasn't, but, you know, just step by step and finding good players and the right players for Colgate with the value of academics at this institution and what sports has meant, whether it was the, the history and tradition of the football program or, you know, some of the successes of other sports that, that, you know, we could get competitive. And same as I said about the NCAA tournament, if you're competitive enough for long enough, then you can break through and, and have a chance to, to have those championship experiences. And you, you talked about the fact that before you came to Colgate, you were an assistant at Penn as well as at, at Temple and went to the NCAA tournament. And you mentioned Fran Dunphy. I would love to dive into that part of your world, Penn and Temple, and, and how that took a, a young Matt Langle and molded you to what you are today. And, and because you mentioned Fran Dunphy specifically, I'd love to know the effect that, that he had. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything else, um, but I, I also know how great he is. Uh, the perspective that he teaches, the values he instills, how he gets his teams to uh, play hard, play together, share responsibility. Uh, I mean, if you look back at all of his teams, you know, whether it's Penn or Temple or now LaSalle, um, it's, it's never about the individual. It's always about the group. And, um, you know, again, the life lessons that, that he teaches, um, the consistency in his way, uh, you know, I, I could go on and on Dan for hours, but, um, you know, there's, he, he's an icon, he's a legend, you know, if he took a different approach, um, 
you know, and was one of those individuals who who spotlighted himself a little bit more or, or allowed more people to pay attention to everything that he's done. Um, there'd be more people who, who would recognize and value, and, um, you know, and say that he's a hall of fame type individual, but because he always downplays what he's accomplished and what he's done, you know, I don't even think he'd get us up on the ladder, you know, when every coach is up there, twirling the net around you know you know even when we begged and implored i don't think he would even get up on the ladder uh, to to cut down the nets that's how that's how much uh he wants to make it not about him so yeah just so many different ways in the game um in life that he's he's impacted me and so many others uh you know to this day i still you know use him as as a resource and at any time where um you know, doing anything of, of significance or you're faced with hard decisions. Uh, I think he's, he's always got great, great um, life experience and perspective to, to offer. So like you said, you know, you go to him when you need that advice. Is there someone else or, or a few people that are kind of in that small group? Because I've spoken with coaches before about what's the phone call, you know, that you make. And, and some coaches have, you know, a few people that they kind of just bounce ideas off of and whatnot. So you have Fran Dunfeed. Is is there someone else that you would call when it came to a crossroads in your career or going into the tournament or something that you're looking at or an angle on something? Do you have other mentors out there or peers out there that you like to pick the brain of during the season or even after the season? Um, I'm really grounded with my family. So, you know, my wife, my, my, my parents are really, really uh, proud of all that they've been, the support that they've been, they, they get here to watch our team. So, um, my children, to be honest with you, so really grounded, you know, in all of those, you know, in those great times and in those challenging times to have their support and perspective because they know me the best. Um, obviously in specific to basketball and in the industry, you, you have friends, um, and people you've known for some time that, you know, maybe they're, they're other head coaches or they're not yet head coaches, you know, different people that you've worked with, uh, along the way, uh, different people that you've worked with here at Colgate, uh, that you stay in communication with. And I think this industry probably like most, but, you know, we're, we're constantly stealing from others. And I, I mean that in the most complimentary way, like you're sharing ideas and, you know, there's not a lot of secrets, um, and so you're just trying to 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 grow and be the best version. So, uh, yeah, there's there are people, but it's a lot of different people, and and nobody specific that that really sticks out there. That coming here from Matt Langle, head coach of the Colgate Raiders men's basketball team, coming off of another trip to the NCAA tournament. Matt, before I let you go here, we have seen the recent consistent runs to the NCAA tournament, but you as a coach, you see things that nobody sees. You're going through stuff in the background behind the scenes that is just your eyes. When did this program, like you said, there was some things in history, but not a lot of things to that had, you know, been consistent success or, or maybe made an identity yet for Colgate. So when did this identity truly start to become what it is today when was the crossroad the turning point in your opinion through your eyes it's a it's a really good question dan and i, I actually i'm i'm 
trying to grab some some statistics here just to make sure um, that I'm identifying, you know, sometimes the years all all blend together. Um, you know, I, I think I think it was in year year three and year four. Um, you know, we we couldn't quite get over the hump, but we had built we had the right foundation. Um, we had kind of gotten a group together. They had kind of grown old together. Yeah. Um, two of those guys, Pat Moore and Damon Sherman Newsom, are, are on the st- coaching staff now. Uh, we got to second place. It was, uh, you know, the the 2014-2015 season. Um, you know, finished in second place. Bucknell, I think, was first place. We were literally, like, I remember it. You know, you, you forget a lot of stuff, but I remember <laughs> there's a, a left-handed player from American who was on the line. Um, we had played a 2 o'clock game, and they, you know, their game was running about a little bit late. We were watching it on the on the streaming ser- ser- uh, service. If, if he had made that foul shot, we would have been tied for first place in the regular season. Um, and so I, I felt like in those two years – we were awfully close. And again, going back, what I said about the NCAA tournament, what I said about our program now, like if you're process-based, the goal is to compete for championships. And if you do that frequently enough, you're going to win. So we were kind of right there. We lost a lot of close games in both of those years. I think both of those teams had losing records, um, but we were like top 200, um, you know, analytic ratings and our offense was, was in a good place. And, um, we just didn't get over the hump to, you know, we got upset in the semifinals at home against that, a good American team. And, you know, then we took a couple steps backwards because we graduated those old guys and had some younger guys that, that doesn't mean that the culture wasn't in place. I think in a lot of landscapes in today's day and age where everything is so result driven that, you know, maybe they would have made a coaching change and our, our institution, our leadership didn't, they recognized what we were doing, how we were doing it. Um, and so, you know, I think it was kind of in those two years, even though we were still a few years away from winning our first championship uh, and getting to the championship game that I, that I recognize, okay, we're, we're on the right path. We just need to, to stay there and keep working and keep growing. And, and, and you know, uh, as this group gets old, maybe we'll get back to that situation, and try to find the right piece, the right, the right buttons to push. And, um, and, and it's worked out. So you talk about that, you know, you know, year three, year four, and here we are over a decade later with the success of this program. And I've said it before, but I want to be clear about this. You have made it to the NCAA tournament in four of the last five years. The only year that you didn't in the last five years was COVID. So it's it's like it's a hundred percent for the opportunities that you have. It's been a hundred percent for the last four years that there was an NCAA tournament. So I, I, I mean, I think, you know, 40.7% from three going into the NCAA ch- tournament, leading the country, not bad, but a hundred percent of the time of the last four years, making it to the NCAA tournament outside of the COVID year. I, I mean, that is, that is building something incredible. So we, you know, I asked you where the turning point was, where that moment was that you really felt like things were going in the right direction, but there's a difference between success and consistent success. You have built consistent success. How do you do it? Especially in a world with the transfer portal where you might bring in a guy 
that not a lot of people looked at, didn't have a lot of offers, not a lot of respect, maybe didn't go to the right prep school or this, that, or whatever. And they, you know, they play two years at Colgate and Texas comes looking and Kansas comes looking and maybe Syracuse comes looking and Indiana and whatnot. You, you've built success, but consistent success at a time period where NIL and transfer portal is wreaking havoc on a lot of programs. How do you build consistent success in general? And how do you do it when there's college basketball free agency? It, it starts with the people. We've had incredible coaches who pour themselves into their work and into our guys. Um, and, and then we've had student athletes who very much value what we are. And when I say we, like what their education at Colgate is and what that means for the rest of their life, yeah. um, what our program is, how close they are as a group um, with one another. Um, you know, Nelly Cummings could have left two years ago, uh, but he chose to come back. Jack Ferguson, same thing uh, with his COVID year. Tucker Richardson and Oliver Lynch Daniels did it this past season. So, um, you know, that speaks to them as individuals. Obviously, there's a lot of work by the guys and the, and the staff and the support group at Colgate um, to create a situation that, that they want to be in, that they take pride in, that they're you know, thinking about their legacy and their opportunity to get back to the NCAA tournament and, and continue to, to, you know, achieve what they have. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's them. It's the individuals who value, like what you said, instead of, you know, just think, thinking the grass is greener somewhere else, they, they recognize what they have, how special it is, um, what it means to their life, um, you know, that that this place and their teammates and their coaches have helped them get to these positions and have these successes and um and they want to they want to um have it have take advantage of it for as long as they possibly can couple final pieces uh when you recruit now as a coach are you transfer portal prep high school looking at everything because some schools are transfer portal driven now some of them are you know, not really looking at the transfer portal as much. Some of them are 50-50. How do you recruit now? Has it has it changed you, adjusted you? What has it done? I mean, we're, we're always trying to evaluate not what other people are doing, but be aware of what others are doing, um, you know, and, and but do what's best for us. Uh, you know, transfers have been an important part of, of our program. If you look back over the history, Jordan Swapshire, Ethan, Jacobs, Austin, Tilts. I mean, the, the list is is long before the, you know, the current batch of Oliver Lynch, Daniels, uh, Nellie Cummings. Uh, but the transfer world has changed in that there's no more year in residence. And so how that impacts us and our school and transferable credits, you know, we, we've got to evaluate all that as we uh, as we move forward. You know, prep school has been good to us guys taking an extra year of of development uh, before they get their four years uh, in the Patriot League, Keegan Records, uh, Ryan Moffitt, uh, Tucker Richardson, just you know to name a few. So yeah, and the brand is national. I mean, Braden Smith had a great freshman year. He was from Seattle, Washington. This that's not around the corner, <laughs> um, yeah. but you know Colgate resonates. He went to a really good high school uh, that recognized the value of of Colgate. Obviously, he's. He loves getting, he loves hoops and, and the success that the program and some of the players had had before as small guards resonated with him. So yeah, just looking everywhere uh, and, and, you know, trying to turn over every stone and, 
and find the right guys for Colgate. Again, never compromising those things that I, I shared before, those characteristics and those traits that uh, have made made our, our team special. So final piece is a little fun. I don't know if you've ever been asked this before, but how would you describe yourself on the sideline? Every coach has a sideline personality. They have the way that they deal with the refs. They have how far they go out onto the court and how far they come and, you know, maybe drink some water off the bench of the other team. So how would you describe the radius of Matt Langle and the attitude of Matt Langle on the sideline? Yeah, my, my thought on that is I need to do what's best for our team. Um, that like the, you certainly I, I've gotten one technical foul in my my 12 years and, and I felt terrible about it because I that means I, I gave up some points in that game and I've never scored any points. Um, and so like that, you know, like joking a little bit, that's kind of my thought on the process. I, I need to keep a demeanor that's going to help me help the team. So if I'm like in a maniacal state and yelling at the referees and, you know, running all around and, and jumping up and down, then I, I don't know if I'm evaluating the game and watching the game um, to, to help our guys, you know, figure out what's going to work on offense and some of the adjustments we, we need to make. So uh, with that being said, there are certain times where, you know, the team needs a little fire, needs a little pick me up and needs a little boost of energy. And so whether that's, you know, trying to incite the crowd or, or, you know, implore them to give a little bit more or run a little bit harder or, um, you know, you know, affect the game in, in that capacity, then I need to do that. But I, I try and stay in the present, um, not worry about what just happened or a call or a foul or, you know, a missed opportunity or even a mistake by our guys. You know, there's times to try and, and correct those in timeouts and, and talk about it. But certainly in game, just trying to stay present and stay focused on what I can do um, to help the guys, um, you know, find the result that they want. And the last piece of that NCAA tournament, there's something to it. There's something to the experience of it, to sitting at the dais and be able to have that NCAA logo behind you while you have these conversations. What has it done for you personally and for your family and the excitement that comes from the fact that you're one of 68 schools out of 360 plus that gets to sit at that table? Yeah, I've been able to... um be a part of the NCAA tournament now I I think 12 years if if my math is is correct um and it is incredible it's incredible for everybody most importantly the players like it is such a special experience to know that you know everybody sets out for this not just on this given year but since the time you're a little boy like that you're watching it, like my boys are watching it on TV. So all of those years, and now you get to be a part of it. Um, and so every single aspect of it is is just extraordinary. It's There aren't words to explain um, what it is, the emotion um, of being a part of it as a player. But it's not just a player. It's the families of the coaches. It's the people of the institution it's the alumni, it's the community. I mean, I was just watching uh, Coach McDermott, uh, his post-game speech that's gone a little viral with the, the Creighton men. Like, you know, the, the, the folks who care about Colgate, wherever they are, they stop what they're doing and watch Colgate basketball. And it, it gives them, it affects their emotion. It gives them a sense of pride, uh, a sense of connection with other alumni. And like, 
that's just it's just special. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and so, you know, it's something that I will never take for granted uh, because, you know, as consistently we've been, you never know when that next chance is going to take. You, you talked about how hard it is for small conferences and mid-major programs to even even get a chance to have that experience one time. And so, um, you know, it's something that we take a lot of pride in and, and certainly never take for granted. Colgate Raiders head coach, Matt Langle. Matt, as always, I appreciate you. I'm sure you're used to on these interviews when they pop you in, they give you like two minutes. I don't do that here. We give Colgate a giant spotlight because you deserve it. So thank you for your time as always and and for being so candid and so open with me in so many ways. I love telling Colgate's story and, and I'm so happy that you're in our community. So thank you for all you do and, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, Dan. Stay well. All right, you too. At coming here from Matt Langle. Take care. At coming from Matt Langle here on the broadcast on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Sports truly meets that thing called life. And, you know, that's what we're about here. We are about that. We're about not only giving a voice to Colgate, which deserves, I don't, and I, I and it's, it's tough for me to say, you know, a voice to the voiceless because they have a voice, but it's not always, it's not, it's not always you getting that spotlight, right? The Princetons don't get the spotlight if they don't win. And, you know, Colgate doesn't get that spotlight unless they win. And in a lot of cases, that happens. <clears throat> and it's not fair. You know, Mitch Henderson of Princeton should have the opportunity to get the spotlight. Matt Langle of Colgate should have the opportunity to get the spotlight. Tobin Anderson of FDU should have the opportunity to get the spotlight. You know, even Coach McDermott that he brought up from from Creighton. I mean, Creighton's in the Big East, and I feel like there's still some people that don't know that. You know, and and so it's it's great to see these programs win. And when you win, and these coaches know this, and the players know that, when you win, people show up. When you win, everybody wants to interview you. But it's it's when you don't win or you're building, like he said, year three, year four, where we were almost there, but it doesn't show up in maybe the win-loss column or how we ended the season. Telling the story of the journey has always meant more to me than telling the story that everyone wants to tell. When you win, the room is full. And I had a coach tell me this a while ago. They said, yeah, now that we're winning, you know, there's like 20 people want to interview me and I'm not going to turn them down because, you know, you're not going to turn down free publicity. But, you know, she said, you've been with me for all this time. You've been with me for years. She said, I'll do the interviews with them, but you can come sit in my office whenever you want to. And you have my cell phone number and you can call me. So, you know, I, I value that. I value that and I value those experiences. And I bring that up because it's a personal thing to me that Princeton, Colgate, FDU, St. Bonaventure, you know, that, that, that these schools, FAU, I mean, they're in Conference USA, they're going to be in the American, how much respect did they have coming into the tournament? So, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's so important to me. And, and so I guess music plays in the studio sometimes. I got a good feeling about this was what was playing. So thank you, God. For that, for that pleasant humor. Uh, so I do have a good feeling about Colgate. So, uh, but yeah, but I, I think that I have no idea 
whose song that is at all. But you know, I I do I do believe that when you see potential and you see strength and you see people working, I mean, that's it. When people work hard and do things for the right reasons and they have morality and values and togetherness and teamwork and, you know, faith and hope and love and joy, and they have fun with each other. Yeah. I want to cover those teams when they're eight and 14 and, and when they're 25 and out. Yeah. Greg, how timely was that? Maybe that's the annoying moment. I mean, I, is it the annoying moment of the week? That was, it was perfect. I got a good feeling about this. Now I'm going to look up that song. That song just shamelessly plugged itself on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And it was perfect because I'm talking about the good feeling I have about these programs. I got a good feeling about this. Started playing in the studio. YouTube, Facebook, don't be coming at me for copyrights because I did not play that on purpose. <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but oh, life is funny. But, you know, it... it it's so rewarding to see people like Matt Langle win and to see places like Colgate win and Hamilton, New York win. And these alumni win. And why is it cool? Because, you know, it's in upstate New York and, and it, it's just different. And, and I don't, you know, maybe if you're not from upstate, maybe you, maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't feel the same way, but they're, you know, in St. Bonnie's, wins and and when Colgate wins and Cornell wins and Binghamton wins it feels different and it's it's really like its own special thing and to see the consistency of Matt's program they've made it to the NCAA tournament 100% of the time in the last five years when there was a tournament they've made four of the last five years the only year they didn't make it's not because they didn't make it it's because COVID happened so they made the tournament 100% of the time in the last four years. They're blue blood programs that can't say that stuff. I and mean, there's 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 programs out of history that can't say Michigan wasn't in the tournament this year. You know, so think about that. Colgate's consistent in a way that goes beyond some teams that are Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, SEC, you know, and, and Big 10 and whatnot. I mean, maybe not the Big 10 since they led almost the entire conference in the tournament, but it's... <laughs> And I, and again, I, for, I'm not a Big Ten hater. I am a do not give an advantage to a conference, especially. I mean, they didn't, what did they work for it? You know what I mean? Did the Big Ten with 13 losses, did those teams really earn a bid in the NCAA tournament or did they get a bid because they're in the Big Ten? If they weren't in the Big Ten, would they be in? That's the question. My answer probably not. Probably not. And and I fight for the fact that there's other teams around the country that deserve an at-large bid and could wreak some havoc. So think about it like this. If Mary Mack wasn't going through the four-year move from Division Two to Division One, where they're not allowed to play in the NCAA tournament, which is a stupid rule and should, needs to be changed, when think about this. If Mary Mack was not under that four-year purgatory, they would have made the tournament and Fairleigh Dickinson wouldn't. And then we wouldn't have had the second 16 seed in the history of the tournament win. It would have never happened. Fairleigh Dickinson would have never made the tournament. So, you know, to me, that sticks out. 
Like, that is a prime example. And you might say, well, Dan, that's a fluke. No, it's not. Tobin Anderson's a good coach. Fairleigh Dickinson had an awesome players who banded together who believed in something that a lot of people didn't believe in. You know? Belief without evidence. Right? They didn't have evidence that they were going to do it. They went into that game with teams going up against the, you know, the record was 150 wins for the one seed and one win for a 16 seed, UMBC against Virginia a few years back. There was no evidence, but there was belief. There was faith. There was passion. There was fun. There was desire. There was want to. There was coaching. There was recruiting. There was scheming, identifying, adjusting, evolving, and they won. They would have never gotten in the tournament because the NEC wasn't going to get two seeds in the tournament. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to fight for these programs like Colgate because somebody needs to fight. Everybody wants to interview him when he wins. Everybody wants to talk to Matt Langle at the end of the season when they win the Patriot League and they go to the NCAA tournament. But are you talking to Matt Langle eight games in at the beginning of the season? You know, are are you following up with him 15 games in, 20 games in? Are you talking with him about year three, year four, when he saw the turning point, when it wasn't visible to the naked eye? Those are the stories that I want to tell. Because Rome was not built in a day. And everybody comes to you when you find the diamond in the rough. But how many people are with you digging through the rough to find the diamond for five years <laughs> until you actually think you might have saw a glimmer of a diamond. So, telling Colgate's story, it's fun for me. I love it. And I want to thank Jordan Doroshenko and, and Matt Langle and everybody past, present, and future at Colgate that's given me the opportunity to have this. And like I said to Matt, when you come on Wake Up Call, you're not, a, you're not two minutes, hey, coach, it must be fun to be in the tournament. No. It's... Hey, coach, tell us a story. Give us a time capsule of Colgate. Something that can live on forever. And that true fans can come back to and really get to know you, your program, and your why. So, I love it. We just spent an entire hour on Colgate. Tell me how many other broadcasts are going to do that. But we will. Because I want to. And because they deserve it. And. The fact that Matt Langle is still at Colgate, building for the future of Colgate in 2023, that's great for Colgate. It says a lot about the administration. It says a lot about the university. It says a lot about the community and how they not only treat Matt, but how they treat Matt's family, his kids, and his wife. And that goes a long way because I'm not a head coach, but... Being around as many head coaches as I've been and, and building a lot of friendships over almost two decades now, I would say that your family life, your kids' happiness, your spouse's happiness, the response of the community and the treatment by the community, you're in Hamilton, New York. It snows. It gets cold. You know, it's it's not a giant city. And that for some people can affect you, but the, to the people that really, and this is how you know that Matt Langle is different. When you're in a small town, 
and you don't have those big city lights and amusement parks and all this stuff to go to and 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 this that and whatever when you don't have the New York City the Orlando the Los Angeles the Houston the Charlotte and so on and so forth that when you when you're there you're there and I'm not saying a coach that's coaching in any of those places aren't aren't there to be specifically at this school but you got to think about a school like Colgate when you're in Colgate you're in Colgate you're there to be with Colgate right and his passion of over a decade and his love and his work ethic and desire to build the brand of Colgate. He's always going to be remembered for that. No matter what happens down the road. You know, it's, it speaks volumes to him and what matters to him. Because if you're a head coach right now, and you could go to a bunch of different places. There's a lot of things that go into it. Some coaches are like, ah, I want to be by the beach, right? Oh, if I coach in Orlando, I can go to Disney all the time. I go to Universal, you know. If I'm in Texas, ooh, I get that barbecue. If I go to Tennessee, I get that style of barbecue. If I go to Nevada, I'm by Vegas. You know, when you're in Hamilton, New York, and you're in this community, your maybe maybe the the biggest light or 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 definitely one of the biggest lights is Colgate. You are the skyscraper of Hamilton, New York. So instead of going to a place where you're around a bunch of skyscrapers, you're going to a place where you are the skyscraper and you're building it. That's got to be a really cool experience, and I'm so happy that Matt shared that experience with us here today. It means a lot to me. So. I always appreciate his time, and I hope you did too. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets that thing called life. We'll be back, hour number two, NCAA tournament from the Sweet 16 to the Elite Eight to the Final Four. I told you before this tournament started, it is wide open, and it did not disappoint as Three of the four Final Four this year have never once before made it to the Final Four. Miami, FAU, San Diego State. Mind you, the Mountain West has never sent any of their schools to the Final Four. So that's history upon history. And then you have UConn, who hadn't been anywhere close in recent years and gone through multiple coaching changes. So as much as they're a blue blood of history, Dan Hurley's doing something special there too. It's going to be a great Final Four. And the road to get there can only be happening on the drive with Ross Tretzky and myself, Dan Tortora. It happens after this. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. You know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelage, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like.
Kefi Kabalm offers same-day local delivery of our products, offering no delivery charge for Onondaga County. Shop KefiKabal.com for fresh roasted coffee beans, cold brew, travel mugs, and all your essential Kefi Kabal needs. Kefi Kabal, coffee for the soul. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying, in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check Canine campground.com for more information that's the letter k the number nine and campground spelled with a k.com k9campground.com when you're going out of town bring your dog to canine campground
PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB&J's Lunchbox Street-Side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is, and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And then I'm just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten. 317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. Open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you or sports truly meets that thing called life. Hope you're having yourselves a terrific morning this morning and cannot thank you enough for being for being here with the show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. You're with us on Facebook.com and YouTube.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT as well as on WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage. You can hang out with us and on WakeUpCallDT.podbean.com. Dot com. So however you're connected with the show, we thank you so much for being a part of it every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. With that being said, we're here in hour number two. We got a lot of great stuff coming up with you on the broadcast. So very excited for the opportunity to bring you a continuation of the conversation of the NCAA tournament that we started with Colgate Raiders men's basketball head coach Matt Langle in hour one. Here in hour two, the only way to go through the road to the final four is to take the drive with Ross and I. And we're going to be talking with Ross Turetsky, fellow broadcaster, writer, and one of my best friends. I consider him a brother even more so than a friend. And he's going to be joining me in just a little bit here as we continue our conversation with our brackets totally in red now, as most brackets are. So a lot of good stuff coming up. What did Greg say? Where are you and Ross 
at with Ted Lasso. Season three started two weeks ago. Quite good. Yeah. Well, you know, Greg, I said on the show yesterday, two mics, no filter with Andrea, there was a stark difference between Apple, Apple, <laughs> between Apple TV and Apple TV Plus. And uh, when you when you're working with Verizon and they say you got free Apple TV for a year and I say fantastic. And then I go on there and realize it's not Ted Lasso, I believe. It's not any of that stuff. It's not any of the good shows. It's not any of the great movies. It's the dollar bin from Walmart. Though It's those movies. No disrespect to Walmart. I'm just painting a picture for you. You know the dollar bin. And so like when the movie's not called Tornado, but it's called Spinning, Spinning Cloud. Or, you know, the movie's not called Cinderella. It's called Glass Slipper. And so, I mean, that... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It, it really is crazy. So uh, where am I at with Ted Lasso? I'm trying to figure out if I'm really going to buy Apple TV just to watch this, or if there's a 14 day free trial or whatever it may be, because I don't want to add anything else to what I have right now. I, I currently have changed from one provider to another when it comes to the non-cable cable. When you look at Fubo TV and YouTube TV and whatnot, so I've been going through the process of figuring out what I want to do and what I want to pay for. And I don't know if I want to add anything else onto that. So, you know, we all get into this when it comes to getting rid of our cable. We're trying to pay less. And you look at these prices and you're like, oh, I'm paying more or the same. And that's not what I want. Right. I want to pay less because cable is way too expensive and it shouldn't be. And cable should have, they should be doing deals all over the place to keep their customers and not being like, oh, screw you. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you're not with us, so whatever. And I don't, I don't understand that at all. You know, it's, I think cable providers should be doing everything they can not to, not to, you know, cheapen themselves, but to make themselves more affordable. There's a difference between being cheap and being more affordable. I don't know why cable has to be so expensive. But, you know, don't don't put people in a situation where it's like, well, cable's $69.99 and, you know, one of these other brands is $64.99. How about somebody's $49.99? How about that? You know, I mean, we don't we don't need to be killing people over the, you know, killing these prices and whatnot. I mean, let let people watch stuff that they want to watch and enjoy stuff that they want to enjoy and not charge them an arm and a leg for it. I mean, I had a great deal with disney plus and i had to just renew it after three years and the deal now sucks so i mean you know it's it's not it's just not uh it's not fun to go through this process with these streaming services because you know i i remember there was there a day when they cared about the customer i don't remember when that day was but it was a long time ago so it would be nice if they did Ross said, uh, oh, uh, Greg's asking Ross a question. So, yeah, Ross will be joining in just a couple minutes here, so we'll hold that question. Got another thing here. They do offer a trial. Might want to wait a few weeks for season three to finish so you can binge it all. See, that's my that's that's my kind of thinking, Greg. That's a good kind of thinking right there. I did say one time I got Paramount Plus, literally, because it's connected to CBS. So I got Paramount Plus. Literally, genuinely, this is the only reason. I wanted to watch the Army Navy game. So I got a seven day free trial. I watched the game and then I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> so I mean, like, that's, I wanted to watch Army Navy and I didn't have cable. So, you know, and I love the Army Navy game. I do because it's so, 
you know, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it's our country and it's people in our country that are protecting not only our freedom, but the freedom of the world. You know, that's, that's what you hope for and you pray for, you know, they're, they're protecting everybody. So it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to watch that army Navy game. It's right around Christmas time. It's usually around the time I get my Christmas tree. So there's a lot of nostalgia and memories to that in history with my you know, family and I typically, not on purpose, we would always go get the Christmas tree the weekend of the Army Navy game. And then after we got the tree and we, you know, strapped it to the roof of the of, the, of our vehicle, we would always go to whatever town we were in, whatever small town in New York, and we would, you know, get hot chocolate and and get lunch, my mom and my dad and I, and, and it was so much fun. So, you know, the Army Navy game has a very special place in my heart. And that's why that's why seven day free trials and 14 day free trials are a beautiful thing. So with that being said, here's somebody on the show who's not a 14 day free trial. He has been my friend for many, many years. And uh, I never I never took out a free trial or a free subscription or a pay later when it came to Ross. We have been friends since 2008. We are both Marywood University grads and my student loans are totally paid off. So what up, girl? How you doing? And uh, very excited about that. So I. I'm, you know, looking back at my time with Ross, we became friends through adversity, tragedy, and and strife, pain. And uh, our friendship was literally built out of of my friends who I, you know, look back on our friendship and I look back on our connection. Our last conversation we had with each other is that I wanted to be a better friend to her. And she was all about friends. She was all about bringing people together, being in college in, you know, in the early 21st century, playing card games and, you know, playing, you know, just literally coming up with games, sitting together. And I, and I miss those moments. And I, I really don't think I value them as much as I should have when you're in a dorm room and, you know, everybody's sitting on two beds and, and you got like 14 people in the room or seven people in the room and you're just hanging out and spending time together and going to get pizza and, and and laughing and joking and listening to music and having deep conversations and philosophical moments it, it's it's such a beautiful thing so shout out to sarah george and her beautiful spirit in heaven and i know she's with us all and you know sarah in in her incredible power as a friend you know she cared so much about bringing people together and friendship and she brought ross and i together even from heaven and uh, and so that shows the great power and love that that she has for people that she brought us together as friends even when she wasn't physically here and you go from 2008 to 2023 15 years of friendship and this dude is my brother i i love him to pieces we are not friends we are brothers and uh, and i consider him my brother my family arm in arm i do anything for this guy I would go down to Mexico and run from a drug cartel with this man. And, uh, I, I, and that's, not a, that's not a desire or a wish. So people, please understand that. Not trying to do it. But, uh, that sounds like arson and coke. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, when, when I hear about, uh, about drug cartels, we're running uh, at border. I think it sounds like another fun adventure of arson and coke. It's a perfect adventure of arson and coke. Maybe it's me it was, you know, planting the seeds. But, uh, but, I mean, maybe this is my, my moment like Marvel to tell you something so many years in advance and then let you watch it happen. But yeah, Ross and I, he's one of the best people on the planet. 
legitimately one of a pe- one of the people in a very tiny circle of my world. And I love him to pieces. And the more that I'm doing this extended intro, the more I'm sitting here going like, why don't I just get in the car and go down there and see him now? Because it's been too long. So with that being said, buddy, how are you? Very good. And I also want to tell you, <laughs> come on down let's watch some john wick uh chapter four let's watch some fun action stupid action movies like we did back in the day cinemark we'd watch the 10 30 right before 11 o'clock when they would start closing the lobby sometimes they close it early and we would be pounded on the glass to let us in but we'd watch those late night movies and those were some great fun memories and so uh whatever you uh would like come on down let's watch some uh movies let's make some ruckus and uh Scranton, Dallas, Wilkes-Barre, wherever in the, in the immediate NEPA area. Yeah, no, I and I, I love it. And that's, I mean, that's literally what I want to do. You know, when you have a good friend like Ross, uh, the the reality is it doesn't matter what movie we go to see. It's it's more of the it's more of the experience of us going to the movie and and commentating and laughing and joking. I'm a firm believer that if if Wherever Ross and I are, comedy ensues, deep discussion follows, and there's always an idea for something to be done. So, you know, I I don't know why, you know, he's like my Spielberg. Like, that's how I look at it. You know, he's this incredible mind of ideas. So I, I, I sit here today saying to myself at 37 years old, we do the drive together and we do a lot of things together. But why are we not doing more? So, I mean, is this the moment, Ross, March March 28th, 2023 at 10, 18 in the morning that we make a commitment to do more projects together? I would love to. I, think, you know, I know a while back we worked on a screenplay called Trojan Wars about a silly antics of our youth in our 20s. So <laughs> I'm like, why not make up more projects, whether it be Arson and Cope, whether it be something else, a screenplay? A sports show, whatever it is, a, co- a comic book show, whatever it is, definitely be up for more projects with you, buddy. All right. And so <clears throat> my ideas are cooking. We're going to do it. And I'm excited to do that. Today, we're doing the drive. We are bringing you through the tournament. There, There is a road to the national championship, but that road can only be taken if you're on the drive with Ross and myself and the capital D, capital R in drive for Dan and Ross. We've been doing this for many, many years, and now it is our time to jump back in the car, get back on the drive, and... Kind of like Joe Pesci's uh, his bald ha- hair in the Home Alone movie when uh, Kevin McAllister got sweet revenge against them. I have my bracket right in front of me. There's just a lot of red uh, marks all over it, just like my teachers at school when they ripped apart my schoolwork. And I just have a lot of incorrect predictions right now. I only had two number one uh, seeds go to the Final Four. Uh, and it turned out none of them made it, but at least I didn't have all four. Uh, we don't even have any top three seeds in the Final Four this year in Houston, Texas started this Saturday night. It is a free-for-all. It's basically all underdogs. And even if they are pretty big programs, it's teams that you would never expect when you fill out your bracket. Unless you go to that college or have a significant other or a relative that goes to that college, you would never have picked those brackets. There's, I, I saw the small percentage of people who picked this correct Final Four. No one's bracket is perfect, but even the people who pick this Final Four is probably a little bit more than a handful, percentage-wise. Probably less than that. So, yeah, I, I, I know you're like, let's get back in the car. 
I think the car is driven over a cliff. We're in the water. We're trapped. We're trying to escape. We need rescue. 911, please call. Uh, we need our rescue. And I don't know how we're going to get back in the car to go back to the drive. Because this racket, it's just what makes Sports Madness so exciting. I love it. Because it's so unpredictable. You can't script this stuff. You have no idea what's going to happen when this uh, tournament starts. And it truly is the madness of March. Because I would have never guessed in a million years that San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami and UConn are our four teams left uh, standing. And one of those teams will be cutting down the nets on uh, Championship Monday, this uh, upcoming Monday, April 3rd. We would have never fathomed it uh, when we predicted at the beginning of the drive uh, a few weeks back. That's the applause that I carry for the teams that made it. This is our bracket. <laughs> and that's that is the absolute reality. If you want a live, if you want to know on the drive, this is exactly what our bracket sounded like from the Sweet 16. Ross and I had three of our final four still in the Sweet 16. After those rounds of the Sweet 16 into the Elite Eight, this is exactly what the drive sounded like in real time. <laughs> and so the brack, the brackets were done. We, I was feel, I was feeling good, and as you know, Ross and I took different roads here on the drive too. You had your if I, pick, yeah, you had Houston, no matter what, just like the draft day. Yeah. I'll take back no matter what. It looked like it was the perfect scenario. Uh -oh. and yeah. <laughs> who would have guessed it? At this point, I'm rooting for Florida Atlantic because out of the uh, the four teams, they're all pretty good teams, but no one expected really anyone to get there. Miami and UConn are bigger programs, but still were expected to get here. San Diego State, I don't think anyone expected to get here. But Florida Atlantic, by far, is the biggest underdog in this tournament left. I had them losing to Penny Hardway's Memphis Tigers in round one. So not only did they not lose that game, and they almost did, they they, they lost, they won that game in controversy. Hey, always throwing his uh, bottle of disgust, trying to call a timeout. Florida Atlantic is in the Final Four, and by far, of these four programs, they're the biggest Cinderella story left. So if you really want madness and chaos of March, I would love to see Florida Atlantic go all the way at this point. They need two more wins. I'm hoping they can win on Saturday and get to the championship game on Monday night. But one shining moment, they're all crazy stories how they got here, but how the heck is Florida Atlantic in the Final Four? And Kansas State's coach, after he lost to them uh, over the weekend, came into the locker room and said, no one can beat you at this point. That you right now have the mental edge over any team. You can compete with any team, yeah. no matter if they're one of the best teams or not. You can beat anyone, so why not go out there and win the whole damn thing at this point, win the championship? Yeah, I mean, we started the Sweet 16 like this, <laughs> and we ended the Sweet 16 like this. <laughs> I mean, it, I was so excited to tell everybody, you know, Ross and I took different roads on the drive to the final four, but we had the same, and we don't know this ahead of time, so we don't look at each other's brackets. We had the same final four, the same championship game, and the same champion, and almost the same score. And so we were looking great with, with 360 plus schools, 68 make the tournament. Of the 68 that make the tournament, we had three of our final four in the Sweet 16 in Gonzaga, Alabama, and Houston. And then Alabama dropped out. And in the same day, Houston dropped out. And shortly after in the Elite Eight, Gonzaga dropped out. And I just remember went, and I just remember sitting there going, well, that's how fast life can change. And so, I mean, that, you know, it was a beautiful thing. It was a wonderful moment. 
Ross and I were standing out there with the Hawaiian lays over our necks and we were, and there was applause and confetti. We were waving to everybody. We were doing that wonderful Prince wave. We were for what happened, and it ended up happening within the week, what happened from last Monday when we were on the air for the drive to now, the whole tour has been upended and it's crazy, but I love it. But it's still insane because, yes, I was about to pat myself on the back. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, we have Houston no matter what. Houston, Alabama are in. I thought Marquette was going to keep making a nice big run. Uh, you know, Creighton was making a long run. So, you know, Gonzaga was making a crazy long run after they were able to uh, big, with their big win over UCLA to get to the lead eight. But then, who would have guessed that UConn destroyed Gonzaga? And then I was reading about how their star center that you got to interview, uh, who came back for his senior year at uh, Gonzaga, he might come back for another year. Like, they hugged him and they said that could be it. He technically has another year of eligibility. I feel like. He has his ARP card. He's about <laughs> 75 years old, like college basketball. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, <laughs> mistakes, I really thought he was going to leave last year. Then he came back this year for a swan song to finish up finished business. And with a championship at Gonzaga with Mark Few, let's be able to get over the top of to come close. Now they're like, oh, there's still a possibility. He might come back for another year. I'm like, this is bad. This one. <laughs> hey, whatever uh, floats their boat, it's fun, it's excited. And who would have guessed it? I don't know. Like, uh, at this point, I don't know who you're rooting for out of these four teams, but I still, I got to say, it's Florida Atlantic, but San Diego State, that's wild. And I know you want to give your props to Miami, an yeah. ACC school who uh, you, you you face off with Syracuse all the time. So I know you're happy with uh, that, an ACC school got represented. And then UConn, it's a true return of UConn at the Big East, uh, a school that was a powerhouse of the Jim Calhoun, and then went down the toilet. Hasn't been to the Final Four since 2014. And now under their new head coach, they're back to Providence. They might be one of the favorites to win the national championship at this point. And uh, the Big East is getting better and better. And now, as we said last week, Rick Petito, controversial or not, he's going to join the Big East again, now being the St. John's head coach in New York City. So that's going to be very competitive. So it's just a lot of fun stories. Uh, but, yeah, at this point, uh, who would have guessed? But I, I, I'm hoping Florida Atlantic just pulls off a miracle and just wins this whole thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is. It, it, I mean, and, and painting the picture of this, you know, as Ross and I have this discussion on the drive as we continue through the madness of March in the NCAA tournament, it, it, it's been wonderful, crazy. I mean, this is literally Heath Ledger's Joker of a March Madness season. He got what he wanted. He got it. He got chaos. <laughs> he, he got chaos. You know, and, and one of the greatest lines ever in any movie is by Michael Caine, who played Alfred when Christian Bale was <laughs> Shane. When, he, when Christian Bale was Batman, when when Michael Caine said, some men cannot be bought, reasoned with or negotiated. Some men just want to watch the world burn. And that is that is this tournament. That is that is this tournament. It is. You know, it's it's FAU is a nine seed. UConn is a four seed. Miami's a five seed. San Diego State's a five seed. We look at all of these teams that made it in. San Diego State has never made it in to the Final Four in the history of their university. The Mountain West Conference that they play within has never sent a single team within their entire conference grouping of schools to the Final Four. On top of that, FAU has never won an NCAA tournament game. This year, they won an NCAA tournament game in the round of 64. 
Then they won in the round of 32 for the first time ever. Sweet 16, first time ever. Elite eight, first time ever. And, and when you really break it down, you say FAU had never won an NCAA tournament game. Then you say they've never advanced to the round of 32. So you have the, the fact that they advanced to it, win or lose. So they made it to the round of 32. That's a first. They won the round of 32. That's a first. They made it to the Sweet 16 first appearance, won the Sweet 16 first time ever. Made it to the Elite Eight first appearance, won in the Elite Eight first time ever. Made it to the Final Four first appearance. All of that is history under Dusty May. Then you go to Miami and you think about Miami and Miami's rich history of athletics. And you, and you got to check this and maybe you didn't believe it because I didn't believe it, that Miami had never ever once in the history of that university, the U, they have never made it to the Final Four. And here's Jim Laranaga, 73 years old. If he wins the championship, he will be the oldest coach to win an NCAA tournament championship for men's Division One basketball. Then you look at UConn and how UConn went through coaches like underwear for a certain amount of time after they had such great success under Jim Calhoun forever in a day. And Kevin Ali had some moments, but the team was losing. There's no direction. Where is the leadership? Then in comes Dan Hurley. He has five years there. Year number five, this team is in the Final Four, and the Blue Blood is back. The storylines of this NCAA tournament are incredible. If you're not a fan of FAU, if you're not a fan, and by the way, FAU has one of the greatest taglines ever. It's called winning in paradise because they literally are in a part of Florida that is all about, I mean, the paradise, you know, the community that they're within. So they talk about winning in paradise. They got palm trees everywhere. So I knew about FAU well before because the wonderful leadership of FAU has been on the broadcast, the athletics director, Brian White. So, and he'll be on again this week. So I knew about them because they're coming into the American and I've done a lot of stories with these six conferences that are coming in and their athletic leadership, including Brian White of FAU. So the winning in paradise thing has been on my mind and, and been in front of me on my desk for over a year. So you have that storyline of winning in paradise. You have throw up the you. You and by the way, and I have to say this and I could say it as a single man, there are no better dancers than Miami's dance team in the nation, in my opinion, because I respect real dancing. I'm Hispanic and Italian. And and everything about that dance team is incredibly talented and awesome. And then you add in their mascot who can dance too. And not every mascot can like, you know, dance, especially being within, you know, the confines of what they're within. So I got to shout out the Canes for the dance team, the choreography, the mascot, Jim Laranega. There's a lot of stuff because I've been around Miami a lot, folks, and not just the NCAA tournament. So I definitely respect the heck out of them. And uh, and then on top of that, you know, UConn and Dan Hurley, I feel so privileged to be able to interview him and be around him. And then Dutcher in San Diego State. He's like, you know, people thought it was just a recruiting thing and that we were joking when we said we're going to make it here someday. And, and now here they are. So this this world is utter insanity and i love it and it's in in every storyline is precious and literally any one of these four teams that wins is going to be a team that is that is on a run that a lot of people didn't expect so it's it's not alien predator requiem whoever wins we lose this is whoever wins we win which is a really cool thing especially in american society where a lot of people every day feel like 
we're all losing in America in the NCAA tournament. Whoever wins, we all kind of win in a way. No, I agree because we're so divided in this country. But March Madness is one of those things we could all rally together behind, no matter what school, whether it's your alma mater who's making a deep run, or just a school that you've never heard of or really don't really care much about. It could be Grand Canyon or any of these like little small schools that you pick off a map and you're like, who the heck are they? But when you see a team that makes a run or just excites you, or just kind of just is a unique story, it's something that the whole country can rally behind it. So as much as a lot of people get annoyed and poo-poo college basketball in this story because a lot of one-and-dones have kind of ruined the game because it's so very hard to kind of have a cohesive unit to know who some of these uh, star players are because most of the powerhouses do go the one-and-done route. But a lot of these schools that are making it, as we said last week, are, school, are maybe the smaller schools who keep their players for three or four years who have been there for a while, who have a chemistry together, who know how to play together. And it, you can see by the results, that seems to work better than one and done. As much as you want to have the superstar talent, but a lot of those guys, like I said, they have one foot out the door. They're trying to go to the NBA, NBA draft, where a lot of these guys were staying the three, four years and are upperclassmen. You can see right away how mature they are out there. And they just, they, they know how to play basketball much better. They're fundamentally sound. They can, they can actually shoot the ball. They don't just try to dunk the ball and get layups or easy shots like that. They're able to shoot the ball. They play defense. They play for each other. And that's just how basketball really should be played. So I love watching that. And uh, Miami's always been a powerhouse for football. Everyone's it's the U and, and all the superstar talent that you've had in college football over those years. Uh, and then baseball, they've always been good at college baseball. But really, basketball has been an afterthought. So what a run by Jim Laranega uh, in the ACC. And then UConn, great to see them be in a powerhouse again. Uh, interesting thing with Miami and the San Diego State, they both were five seats in their respective regions, in the Midwest for Miami and in the South region for San Diego State. There were teams, you know, everyone's looking for it, and usually it's a 12 seed, knock it off a 5 seed. There were people, uh, not in our brackets, but there were people who had uh, Charleston, knock it off San Diego State, a 12 seed over a 5 seed for the first round. Now look how far they've made it. They're in the Final Four. There were people, not many, who had uh, Degrassi, a glorious, uh, my fellow Jewish rapper. Drake! <laughs> who would have thought we had a Drake reference in this part of the tournament? That yeah. Drake was going to knock off Miami. Not to be it. Miami's won out of a hell of a run. So, you know, they dominated Indiana. They were able to knock off uh, the Houston Cougars. And this amazing run beat Texas. And Texas, I want to give uh, props to uh, that university. Their interim head coach, he's going to sign a long-term contract. He deservedly so. I know you talked about this the other day on Ronnie your show. Terry, baby. He yeah. deserved it. He earned it. And I'm glad they stripped the interim tag off it. He's a full-time head coach for the Texas Longhorns. He came in during the season and did a heck of a job. And they went on a, a amazing run, and they almost were able to knock off Miami to get to Houston, Texas, to their uh, their home state to play the Final Four. So I'm glad that he, deservedly so, got his uh, contract, will be the full-time head coach for them. But it's just been a wild ride. And then Alabama, I'm still shocked. Alabama, they really look like, out of anyone, if not Houston, because Houston had a lot of injuries. People were, were still somewhat suspect about Houston. Alabama seemed like they were going to be the most talented team in this whole tournament. And for th for them to get knocked off in this tournament by San Diego State, that was a surprise. And uh, you know, they had all, they had all that firepower offensively. And I just was I, it was shocking to see that Alabama and Houston not never mind both didn't make it. That neither of those two powerhouses number one seats made it because it looked like for sure they were on a collision course. Uh, we you know I had them and you had them to play each other in the national championship game. 
at least if one of them was going to get to the final four, and now neither have. Uh, so it's just it's wild that the, you know Creighton made a nice long run as I thought they would. The Blue Jays make these long runs, and they seem to do, do a great job of the tournament. And then who could have uh, predicted? Of course, earlier to where Princeton, the Ivy League school, with the crazy run that they went on gets the Sweet Sixteen, uh, knocking off Arizona. That was amazing. And, uh, and of course, another number sixteen seed, Peter, a number one seed, Fairleigh Dickinson small school out of New Jersey, just like last year with St. Peter's. So there's so many uh, Cinderella stories, so many upsets. Uh, it's really been a heck of a tournament. That, uh, I don't know, anyone who just picked chalk and went with four, four number one seeds in the Final Four, you were sorely mistaken because this was not the year for that. Uh, it was incredible. Even that the, uh, the other night with Gonzaga UCLA, I mentioned earlier that Sweet 16 game, that was a heck of a game that went back and forth and really looked like at the very end Gonzaga was going to lose and then Got wide open from the top of the key. That three-pointer he drained, just like a couple years ago when uh, Gonzaga knocked off UCLA in another classic. I'd sign up for ten more of those uh, those classic tournament games. So it's just been a heck of a ride. I just I hope it keeps going. I hope we have an exciting Final Four in Houston, Texas this weekend and the national championship game. It's anyone's game, and uh, so I'm excited. Between opening day with my my first love of Major League Baseball coming out in just two days is opening day. Uh, for my Yankees and Anthony Volpe, their top prospect, uh, made the team along with Aaron Judge and all, the, all that great stuff. So we got an opening day for baseball, college basketball, the national championship, Final Four coming up, and then basketball and hockey, the pros uh, get ready for the playoffs pretty soon. It's pretty special. The only thing I do kind of miss from back when we were going to school, even in college, you know, everyone, is I really loved when Monday's national championship game was always Monday opening day for Major League Baseball because that was an amazing day for a sports fan. You had opening day for baseball and all the excitement and the hope, even if your team stunk at baseball and had no chance to make the playoffs for the World Series. You had opening day at, during the whole, the whole day from like 1 o'clock all the way through the end of the night, and then at around 9 o'clock, you had the National Championship game for college basketball. Baseball now has moved their opening day to Thursday. They, I guess they don't want to compete with the National Championship game. But uh, that that's the only thing I kind of missed from back when, when we were younger is that I, I, I know I sound older. I'm like, back in our day, we used to walk through you know, 10 miles of snow to get to school, all that stuff. But I missed that, but you still can't beat this tournament. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how next year we'll go when, when we pick our brackets. But it's going to be a, a very interesting how we pick brackets from here on out because really it's just it's chaos and it's very hard to know who should be favored in, in any of these games as much as we're trying to give the audience a decent uh, you know expert opinion there's only so much anyone knows at this point because really these teams they seem to come out of nowhere they get it done but i'm very excited for these teams uh, right now i don't know what, what your thoughts are but i would say that uh with uh, with florida atlantic i'll have them slightly beaten san diego state i would have at the Miami-UConn game, I'd give UConn a slight advantage to win that game. And then I think it's going to be UConn and Florida Atlantic. I would have uh, uh, UConn definitely be the favorite to win that out of the four teams left to win the national title. But as I said, if you want the chaos, I would love to see the Cinderella little edge of that could Florida Atlantic pull off the upset and win it all. But I know there's the skeptical cynic fans who will say this will be TCU and Georgia, the national championship game for college football like we had earlier in the year all over again where people thought, oh, TCU has a chance. And then what happened? Georgia just laid the hammer down, destroyed them by like 58 points. So I, I hope if we get that national championship game, if Florida Atlantic can survive to get the championship game on Monday and faces a powerhouse like Miami or UConn, I think UConn, 
hopefully it would be a close game, very competitive game, and maybe even an upset. You hope you don't get a basketball where people are like, oh, they didn't deserve to be there. Because yeah. these teams, all four of them, definitely deserve to be here. They've proven it with their track record in this tournament, beating all these powerhouses that no one thought they could. But if I had a pick right now, I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic over San Diego State, UConn over Miami, and I'll go with UConn winning the whole thing over Florida Atlantic. But my heart, of the heart of an underdog, heart of Rudy and Rocky, and <laughs> the, the, I, I always root for the underdog. I always can identify them. I would still love to see Florida Atlantic uh, take the, the, to, to cut down the nets and take this whole thing home. Yeah, you know, I mean, we look at this, and, and as you are all seeing on your board, as I as I put my cursive out there, and by the way, bring cursive back into schools. Don't let people write block letters and look like idiots. So, cursive. <laughs> You got to be able to do that. If you can't sign your name on a check, there's a problem. You at least got to know it for that. Yeah, no, I mean, learn just, just folks, let's, let's make school school again. Could we do that? Because that would be an amazing thing to do if we could make school school again. So, I, I putting up on the board right now as you're all watching on Facebook.com and YouTube.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. The congratulations to these schools as we congratulate from the South region, San Diego State, from the Midwest region, Miami. And as we look in the West region and we give a congratulations here to UConn, who made it through the bracket where the number one overall seed was taken down, or pardon me, the number one seed who was a reigning national champion, Kansas, was taken down by Arkansas. And then UConn blew out Arkansas. So to see Arkansas take down the reigning national champion and then to see how UConn easily handled them was just insanity. So congratulations to UConn from the West bracket. And I say insanity because like that Arkansas game fight to the bitter end, 72-71, you beat Kansas, you're feeling good. And people are like, are they going to do it? Are they going to make it? Are they going to win a championship? And UConn took care of them like it was a game in you know, the end of November, early December, you know, where they're they're warming up and playing these non-conference schedule games. So That's it's, what they did against Gonzaga. Yeah. Sort of the Elite Eight. Like, I thought Gonzaga, they had a good chance to win. I thought, I thought they'd at least be competitive. It was non-competitive. It was almost a 30-point victory. They laid the hammer, the smack down on Gonzaga. That's a very great, a very solid team. Year after year, they show their greatness. Mark Few has that team ready to play and challenge for a national title. And what did UConn do? UConn just slapped them around the court and easily dominated them. So that was one of the bigger shocks of the weekend. Yeah, you know, we look at this here. So once again, congratulations of the South Bracket to San Diego State here on your screen. Congratulations in the Midwest Bracket to Miami, a.k.a. the U. A big congratulations to them. A congratulations in the Mid. And so that, uh, that being in the Midwest, and congratulations in the West Bracket to the UConn Huskies and the work that they did here. An incredible, incredible season for the UConn Huskies as Dan Hurley and his basketball family got to celebrate on the court, which was really amazing and fun to see. So a big time congratulations to the UConn Huskies and, and all the work that they put forward here. I mean, this, this has been such an amazing tournament. So many amazing things have happened. And now, you know, whoever wins, like I said, we win. We get to see such a, a wonderful setup here to the final stage of the NCAA tournament. So I'm incredibly excited, very much looking forward to it. So a shout out, a shout out to UConn. 
I'm giving my con- guess. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, who's, who's winning the two semifinals yeah. and who's going to win that national title? Well, as I build up to that, so to the East bracket too, I want to give once again another massive, as they're on screen right now, another massive congratulations to Florida Atlantic who made a ton of history for their school this year. Much love to FAU in Conference USA. So with that being said... Ross picked his, and here's some interesting storylines. FAU, Miami, down in Florida, fantastic beach weather. San Diego State, the beaches of the West Coast, and the most beautiful, exciting, warm, balmy, sunny beach of them all, Stores, Connecticut. Beautiful places in California and Florida. Beautiful warm year around. It is definitely not warm year round in Connecticut. So you have all of that. Those are your storyline. The cool thing about this, really cool thing about this, is if FAU were to win and Miami were to win, then the state of Florida has won. In a hundred percent of the championship game will be in Florida. And Florida will have a champion, a national champion, no matter what, if FAU and Miami advance. Now, what's crazy is I think after like 16 years of at least making the Final Four, uh, UConn men's team is going to the Final Four. The women's team that year after year competes and wins a national title they or lost. gets close to it, they are not going to the Final Four. Gina Oriema, the legendary coach of the women's team for Connecticut, I think it's the first time in 16 years because the one year they got knocked off because of the pandemic in 2020, they are not going to the Final Four. And Don Staley's uh, shout out to her in South Carolina. They seem to dominate year after year lately. Yeah. And Don Staley looks like she might win another national title on the women's side of March Madness. But uh, that's what's kind of crazy is the UConn men's team, they're on the come up and they're in the Final Four, might win the national title out of all the four teams. They're probably favored to win it. And the women's team that dominates year after year, they're not even going to be in the Final Four. So that's going to be a rare occurrence. The men's team is on all-time high. The women's team that's been so great, they're coming down a bit. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State, a shout-out to the Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes women's basketball team defeated the UConn Huskies and Gino Ariema, three-seed over a two-seed by 12, 73-61 to set up a, what we have here for, you know, the women's side of things. So, yeah, I mean, again, and, and to, I'll get to my picks in just a second. I'm doing a Ryan Seacrest on the way to my picks. So, yeah, so, so what we have right now, thank you. So the final four, I do want to make note of this on the women's side in Dallas. This is kind of cool too. I've been to Houston, I've been to Dallas and the final four, for women and men are both in the state of Texas, which will hopefully, I know that Dallas and Houston are not next door neighbors, but hopefully this could maybe create a world where you'll go to the women's tournament and then go to the men's. So maybe just maybe you can give love and respect to both the men's and women's NCAA tournaments with them both being in the same state for the, yeah. I totally agree because I think a lot of times the women's game gets shortchanged. They are such talented athletes. They play really well. They usually are. You talk about fundamentally sound. Usually on the women's side of the, of the game, they seem to play better than the men's side. They usually shoot better. They play harder defense. And there are a heck of a, uh, so many uh, squads that work their butts off that don't get the credit that they deserve. And until about a year ago, 
the NCAA for women were not even allowed to use the term March Madness for college basketball, which is yeah. ridiculous and was unfair. And then the, which is crazy to think that. And then they even got embarrassed because a couple of years ago, one of the uh, the female athletes showed the, the horrible food they were given, the horrible uh, gym that they get, were given to work out in, compared to the men's game for the final four. It was an yeah. embarrassment that the men the men got like gourmet food, the best workout facilities, and the women got got scraps. They got terrible uh, you know amenities. And then it was crazy again that they could not even use the term March Madness until last year. So I hope that we start getting it more fair, and it should be as equal as it should uh, as as it could be because both sides deserve their credit the women's game is excellent the men's game is excellent so it should not be that we give all the money all the resources to the men's side and favor them over the women's side because it's just it's blatantly unfair so i, I just I, I get annoyed when i see that and as yeah. a, you know a, a girl dad i have a little daughter who's gonna be six years old in a few months i want her to know that she could do anything she wants in this world and I, it sickens me when i see how much they give to the men's side and the women's side uh, you know it's getting a little bit better usually gets shortchanged compared to the men's side yeah, you know, and that's a drum that I've banged here for a long time. And and like I said, you know, with them both being down in the state of Texas, hopefully some of you can make it to both. We have the final four set up in Dallas for NCAA Division One women's basketball. That final four is going to play on March 31st. That is this Friday. And so we will see on Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN We'll have LSU, the three seed, take on number one seed of Virginia Tech. And then, as Ross mentioned, uh, Dawn Staley and her team, South Carolina, number one seed, will take on number two seed, a team that has done phenomenal this year and has put themselves on the national map, uh, Iowa. And that game will happen at approximately 9 p.m. Eastern time, probably a few minutes after on ESPN. And then the national championship of whoever wins LSU, Virginia Tech, and South Carolina, Iowa will play for the championship for women's division one basketball that'll happen on April 2nd in D- in Dallas, Texas. And then on the men's side of things, as we talk about the men's brackets, we will see that final four playing on the days that are with, you know, kind of right there dancing with you have March 31st, April 2nd for the women, you have April 1st, April 3rd for the men. So on Saturday in Houston, Texas on April 1st, we will see the, First game being at 6.09 p.m. Eastern time, number five seed San Diego State taking on number nine seed FAU. And to follow at approximately 8.49 p.m. Eastern time, the five seed Miami Hurricanes going up against the four seeded UConn. And for people that don't know their history, that game is an old Big East game, Miami and UConn. So shout out to the Big East for well representing themselves and shout out to Big East history for Miami UConn. The national championship for the men's side in Division One will be played on Monday. April 3rd, and I, in true Seacrest fashion, will be giving you my picks for the men's and women's Final Four champions, champions, champions. I will be giving you my my Final Four winners and championship winners right after this. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315 638 
888-382-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville Bees. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacted the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce, we prepare to order in the kitchen, we hand bread our chicken, we hand spin our milkshakes, it's, it's great food, it doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant, it's different, we, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service, and so... I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life. That's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to possibly influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success in Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that, you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to possibly influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Folks, we are back, and I am so happy to be here with you on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports truly meets that thing called life. Love being here with you on the broadcast. 
YouTube.com, <clears throat> Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT, Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT, and on WakeUpCallDT.com. Before the break, I told you that I would be giving you my final four champions that will go on to the championship game for men's and women's basketball in Division One, and that I would give you my champion as well. And I am going to do that. But before, I want to let you know that yogurt has interesting tastes and a fantastic smell. I also want to let, and they don't have a fantastic smell. I'm kidding. Yogurt smells like booty, and I don't like it at all. I also want to let you know that I, today, might go see a movie. I would like to let you know that Twix has a new cookie dough flavor that's a fantastic flavor. And with other mindless information in my greatest impression of Ryan Seacrest, as I continue to pull it out, drag 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 it out, and simply say the word drag it out, this, for those of you that have caught on to being facetious, sarcastic, and having fun, is my impression of how long it takes Ryan Seacrest, because he won't just tell he won't just go to commercial break. He will talk to you about things that make no sense. I know you want to know the three contestants that are going to be here inside of American Idol, and I want you to not only know those three contestants, but to know who our champion's going to be. But before that happens, I want to tell you about the beauty of water and how water can change your life. I also want to let you know that I had a pet bunny named Steve when I was six years old, and Steve and I used to go on bike rides together, and he would sit in the little bushel basket that I had in the front of my bike. That is what Ryan Seacrest would give you. So with that being said, I'm going to give you my picks in true Seacrest fashion. And I'll do that right after that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so my picks for the NCAA Division One. he would have done that. He would have come back from commercial, gone back to commercial. That's a true Seacrest. So. Yeah. You know, nothing, the only thing better than pulling the rug once is pulling it twice. So with that being said, here in the final four, I'm going to go with South Carolina over Iowa. As much as I'm excited for Iowa and the Hawkeyes and the game that they've played throughout this tournament has just been a true amazing run. I'm going to go with South Carolina. And, you know, I think on the other side, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech in that matchup, South Carolina, Virginia Tech in the championship game. And I'm going to give Staley another chip and I'm going to go with the Gamecocks to win the championship, South Carolina over Virginia Tech for yeah, the new powerhouse in yeah. college basketball. I just want to quickly mention with Iowa, yeah. that game that that, that, uh, that star player had the other day was amazing. She had like 40 points and I think had like a triple double. It was crazy. And then she did it in the honor of like the associate head coaches. What was it? The mother of, or one of our parents had passed away the, the morning of that game. And then she had that amazing game and dedicated it to the coach. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, the, to know the story, the history, the family, the love, the connection, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, you know, when you watch these games and if you live in the world that Ross and I get to live in, when you, when you, when you know the coaches, you know the players, you know the programs, it's different. And it feels different. Everything about it is is unique. Like Jim Laranaga, it's di- that is so different for me. And that experience, I got a chill when I talked about it. It's such a different thing. And the connection, here's the cool thing. So UConn I covered in the American. Then UConn went back to the Big East. And I was at the Big East tournament last year in Madison Square Garden. 
So there's that connection to Dan Hurley and, and his program. Jim Laranega, I've covered his program since Syracuse joined the ACC a decade ago. And so Jim Laranega, I had interviewed him before the NCAA tournament when they were in Greensboro. And I was sitting, you know, right there. I mean, he's sitting up on the dais and I'm sitting in the first couple rows. So that story's interesting because I've spoken with Jim Laranega so many times over the last many years. And then with FAU, you know, having Brian White, their AD on and, and talking about their move from Conference USA this July 2023 to become an American Athletic Conference school. I've gotten to tell the story of FAU before Dusty May and his team told the story of FAU. And that's been an honor. And then San Diego State, my connection to that is Syracuse played them on an aircraft carrier years ago. And so everything about this tournament and about this Final Four on the men's side has an interesting connection to my life. And so any one of these teams that wins is going to be a a genuinely special kind of cool moment. And what I love seeing is that Jim Laranega has reached out to my dad through his chest and into his heart. And my dad said yesterday when he came on the show that he wants to see Jim Laranega win it all. And, and the really, really cool history that my dad and I have experienced is, is that we got to see Miami and UConn in the NCAA tournament this year in Albany. Of any game that we could have seen, of all the games going on in the entire country, there were games in Albany. My dad and I have never been to an NCAA tournament game where we got to sit together. And this year I had the best seat in the house next to my dad sitting there. And I said to my dad, this is cool. Is it fun? You know, are you having a good time? And he said, of course I am. I'm with my son. Fast forward in the tournament and I called up my dad and I said, dad, if Miami wins today, because UConn already had won. I said, if Miami wins today, you and I, when we made history in our relationship as father and son and as friends to go to Albany and see an NCAA tournament game, let alone two together for the first time ever, with all the tournament games that I've covered and all the places I've been, we've never got to sit together and experience it together like that. To have that history and on top of that history, the two teams that advance out of Albany to the Sweet 16 are going to be 50% of the Final Four. That would be incredible. And then it happened. And then I told my dad, with all due respect, Pop, you and I are 100% when it comes to sending teams to the Final Four. So as I look at this Final Four, I'm going to pick FAU to defeat San Diego State, although I appreciate what Brian Dutcher has done with San Diego State and his team. They have done so very well in this tournament, and their respect has been earned, hopefully by many, definitely by me. FAU, I'm going to pick them over San Diego State in a tough game. I just feel like FAU is on a run. And between Miami and UConn, Miami can score. Miami can run. Miami can go out there and do a lot of amazing things. Miami took down an incredible team. And Jim Laranega and this team have been so, 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 so good. And on UConn's side, they're blowing teams out, winning by double figures. These look like the when you look at the end score of these games, like I said, it looks like they're playing a November, early December game in their non conference. The UConn Huskies and the Miami Hurricanes are two of the hottest teams in America going up against each other. And I think UConn can win it all. I really do. 
I really do. And this final four to me, I'm going to go with FAU on one side. And as much as UConn has put all of this work in and done an incredible job, and they have been tremendous, it is so hard to not pick Miami. I'm going to go with... So so my thing is, as I continue my Seacrest, I'm going to go with Miami over UConn in a game that might go to overtime. And it's going to be FAU versus Miami. And Jim Laranaga is going to bring a championship to Miami. And and I, it pains me to make this pick. I am emotional. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I genuinely have tears in my eyes right now because every one of these programs deserves it. And every one of these coaches deserves it. And every one of these student athletes deserves it and their staff. San Diego State has made such an amazing run and they've gotten better. FAU was given no chance and they have been incredible. Miami and Jim Laranega. Some people thought Jim Laranega was going to retire. I want Jim Laranega to coach for another 10 years. UConn and Dan Hurley have been a powerhouse and they've been the biggest baddie of the tournament when it comes to the fact that they're not beating you. They're 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 pulverizing. And so any one of these teams that I pick means that I don't pick the other team that that I feel like is just as deserving and it's so hard. But I'm gonna say FAU and Miami and I might have to go down to Florida and watch this thing in real time because I think the state of Florida, no matter what, is going to win a national championship this year. But I'm going to lean on Jim Laranega for this one. As much as I think that UConn can win it all, and I want to put that on my audio and video, I believe UConn can win it all, and I'm not going to be surprised if they don't. But I'm going to go with, I I really believe that it could be FAU-UConn. But I'm going to say FAU-Miami, Miami wins a national championship. That whole Florida and Michigan would be pretty impressive. One way or another, Sunshine State would come out on top. Uh, we both have an FAU for Atlantic uh, winning their semifinal against San Diego State and uh, going to the National Championship game on Monday. So that'll be exciting either way because then you have a David versus Goliath matchup. Because I know a lot of people are thinking uh, that the two smaller schools, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic, they're just the appetizer for the, the, the main course because a lot of people are saying that Miami, ACC powerhouse, and UConn are powerhouse in the Big East, that that's going to be the big matchup. Whoever wins that is definitely going to win the national championship game. Not necessarily. Whoever wins that is going to go to the championship game. I know it's going to be put as whoever, uh, whoever wins the other semifinal between San Diego State and Fort Atlantic is going to be the David and it's going to be Goliath, whoever wins Miami versus UConn. But I would not put anything past this tournament just because UConn is blowing everyone out. That's why I'm going with UConn. <clears throat> and I think they have it out of all the four teams, they have the chance to pull this out because they are, as you were saying, pulverizing teams. And they seem to be the most complete red hot team that is just trounting teams. Like they're not even standing in their way. But if they can find a way to beat Miami, which is a big if, because as you said, Miami very well could pull this off. And I know you kind of would love to see Miami do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the, the other side has no chance because they're the smallest schools. As you've seen in this tournament, you could be the smallest little engine that could, and you could find a way to knock off the Goliath. And it's happened time and time again. So we're doing that at our own peril. The people who are saying, because uh, I've seen a lot of the stuff on ESPN and all over national media, thinking that, that that's just the appetizer. The main course is Miami versus Utah. For some people, it might be, but I still would love to see that national championship game 
whoever wins that San Diego State of Florida Atlantic game, which we both have FAU winning, but they scare the heck out of the Miami UConn winner and might maybe find a way to come out on top and to actually have a Cinderella team win the championship at day's end. I think that'd be the coolest thing for this whole tournament. And it would really just get you really pumped for next season already. You couldn't come soon enough to have November kick off the, the new season of college basketball and have a tournament come uh, back in March because that'd be a, an incredible story. If Cinderella team didn't only just make the Final Four, but actually won the national title. And Jim Larinaga, I think he was also the head coach for George Mason yep. when they uh, went on their incredible run. I think it was in 2006. Yep. I was a sophomore at Marywood, a sophomore in college. Yep. And he took that school that no expected to go uh, as far as he did. He took them to the Final Four. And now 17 years later, he has a powerhouse like Miami back on top in their first ever Final Four. So what an amazing run that he's been. 17 years apart, almost two full decades, he went with a little underdog team like George Mason took him to the Final Four promised land. And now he has Miami back to where most people who go to Miami think they should always be on top in all sports in the Final Four for the first time. And now he might be able to win the national title. Who knows? And it's, as you were saying, he'd be the oldest head coach to win the national title. Age is just a number. I truly believe that. I know people like to, you know, giggle at that. If you have the heart, the spirit, the, the tenacity, the excitement, the enthusiasm, who cares how old you are? Because there are younger people who are in their tw- uh, late 20s, early 30s who could act super old, and they have old people who act super young. And, you know, Pete Carroll in the NFL, he runs around the sidelines like he's still a college coach and like he's 30 years old, and he's the oldest NFL head coach right now. So it really doesn't matter. Age is, re- in my mind, age is truly a number. It's, it's how you carry yourself, how you act, uh, wh- what kind of spirit you still have in you. Because you know, for all you know, this guy could coach another 10 years because he really seems to have the enthusiasm to do it. You know, yeah, maybe it would be cool to see him go out on top if you win a national title at this point to end your career that way, an illustrious Hall of Fame career. But it would also be great if he could prove everyone wrong and keep coaching for another decade. So either way, I think we, as you said, it's it's definitely not whoever wins, we lose. It's whoever wins, we win. Because whether it be San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami or UConn, one of these four teams who wins it, they're all incredible stories. They all deserve it. All the coaches, all the players, they have, and all the fan bases, it's been an incredible ride. I'm going with Florida Atlantic like you in the national title game. You're going with my, against Miami. I'm going with UConn against them because uh, UConn is dominating everyone. And we will see. Right now, I'm going to pick UConn to win the championship game. You're going with Miami. I think you can't lose either way. I think it's going to be incredible uh, next two days. Saturday, Monday at the Final Four in Houston, Texas. I think it would be amazing. I think it would be incredible if you got down to Florida and got to hang out with some of your friends and see an incredible ride for those two teams that are going at it in the Final Four. And if they face off on Monday night or all Florida National Championship game, could be better than that. I think that would be pretty awesome as well. So either way, I think we should just kick back, enjoy it, make the most of it, have fun, because we're going to have a long wait until more college basketball comes. And in many people's eyes, including mine, I think this tournament is by far, to me, a lot more exciting than watching a typical NBA game. Even NBA playoffs, as exciting as that could be, a lot of that can get boring after a while when you see like Golden State Warriors or some of the same teams win it year after year. I think March Madness has so much more appeal because there's so much just raw enthusiasm and unpredictability that you don't get in the NBA and pro basketball. So yeah. college basketball, you got to enjoy it while you can because pro basketball, it's just it's a different beast because it's, it's a great game. But it's not usually played the same way, and you usually have the same or similar five teams compete for a championship year after year where, no, where certain teams have no chance. Even if they get to playoffs, have no chance to win it all. Where in college basketball, almost every team that gets in, now even the 16 seeds, the bottom seeds, they all have a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this tournament has been fantastic this year, and I said going into the tournament – 
that it was wide open. It did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. It has been absolutely, positively incredible. And I am so happy, so, so excited for all the four teams that have made it here to San Diego State of the South region, to Miami of the of the Midwest region, to UConn of the West region, and to FAU of the East region, who did it through Madison Square Garden. Awesome venues, awesome time, awesome people, awesome experience. You know, shout out to Kansas City, Missouri, to Las Vegas, Nevada, to Louisville, Kentucky, to New York, New York with Madison Square Garden, and now to Houston, Texas coming up. Great venues, and I, I, I mean, I am. I'm ready for this. I'm excited.